Hey, this is Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. We're happy to have you here today. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of these segments from our podcast can be accessible through the website at millpondchurchny.com. With me, as always, is our host, Pastor Jeff Boucher. We have a great topic for you today. Welcome, Pastor Jeff. Hey, Mike. Great to be with you tonight and uh, looking forward to our discussion here about the greatest prayer. And I know we've been talking about uh, prayer a lot uh, in these last two podcasts, and we want to pick it up. And, you know, it's great. I think this just fits right in with the name of our podcast, Mostly Unseen, Mm -hmm. because when people do pray, they pray into the air, if you will, and they think, where does that go and what happens? And you can never see what goes on behind the scenes. We only see maybe the end results or, you know, the effects of something. But we don't always see, uh, we don't ever see um, some of those things that are just completely unseen. So I love talking about this stuff because we we can talk about it with knowledge because of what Scripture tells us. So I want to dive right in tonight and uh, and just ask the question. I mentioned this in our first uh, of the series on prayer. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really un- unpack it, so I want to do that a little bit tonight. And um, you know, does prayer does prayer influence God? You know, does it influence God? Some people believe that God's word uh, says that prayer influences them, but the reality of it seems to call that into question, right? When you think of some of the verses, um, you know, I, I think of like Matthew seven seven, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you and somebody would say you know i pray i pray i don't feel like god answers i pray for this and i don't get it i don't know if he's there i get frustrated you know but then and i'll quit praying then i'll go back to praying and so you get this back and forth there's other verses too you might even know a couple yeah i mean jeremiah 33 3 is call to me and i will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know um and you know james uh, the book of James is, is uh, very succinct with uh, when he says in, uh, in, in, in three, he says um, in, in chapter four, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So that has something in how we play into things, too, unfortunately, sometimes with prayer and how we understand it. Yeah. And we actually talked about that last time uh, in our in our second podcast on, on prayer uh, a little bit, you know. And so when you read those verses on the face of it, for some people, it seems to be untrue. God's not answering. God doesn't answer. Our prayers don't influence God. <clears throat> and um, But I want to talk maybe, I love analogies because they help us to understand, not in an exact way, but, you know, kind of like a simile where it's like this or it's as that. Um, so I want to give kind of the comparison of three um, givers, three types of givers. And, <clears throat> and when you think of it this way, when we say givers, I'm talking about the kind that are, you know, benevolent givers. They're going to give to a cause. They're going to give uh, to some enterprise, right? And um, so there's three sorts of givers, and each one has some variations uh, within uh, the type. So the first one, let's say it's a man who gives because he's influenced by other people, right? So if the right person or the right committee of people comes along to call on this guy, um, and skillfully present their their pleas, you know, to their maybe it's their favorite charity or you know or a business deal or whatever it might be, not a business deal, but it's going to be a charity of some sort. 
and uh, they point out the things that they know are going to play on this guy's heart. So they're going to pull on his heartstrings a, a little bit. So his position, um, you know, maybe they're pulling on, hey, he, he's the chairman of his company and we're doing this, he should give this. So they're going to appeal to his, his egotism. They're going to, you know, you know, maybe the possible advantage of, of accruing something by giving this gift, right? There's something good that's going to come out of it for, for him. Mm-hmm. So they're going to, they're going to push it that way. Something of value because he gave the gift. Um, maybe what others he wants to be associated with, what, what they're doing. And he says, boy, if I give, I'm going to be associated with them. Uh, and so on. And we go through a wide range that most of us are familiar with. And if they persist, that group of people that come to him, in the end, he, he writes the check. And, you know, and he does it at first, maybe reluctantly, but finally with more or less grace, he'll mm-hmm. do it. And uh, and that's, that's one sort of giver. The second sort... Uh, let's say this is a woman and she, you know, is truly of a benevolent heart. And so she's uh, very desirous of giving so that she can help others in some way that's going to be of some great effect for them. And so she listens intently when a plea comes to her. Uh, She waits only long enough to satisfy herself of the worth of that particular cause. And the, you know, and then she thinks about the proper amount maybe to give. And then she goes and gives it. Then there's the third type, which is a lot like the second. But the third kind of giver is of the rarest sort. Okay. Um, So this one's like the second, but goes further. And in that this one takes the initiative to give. So they don't wait for someone to come and make a play. They look around. They're looking all around themselves. Uh, They're making inquiries. They're thinking over the great need in every direction as they look at their community, as they look at the the nation, as they look at the world, and uh, and they're trying to figure it out. So, you know, that person decided where their money would go or where it would best be used to help. And then they themselves offer to give without being asked. That's an amazing giver, right? Now... That kind of gift, somebody could take a gift and maybe it's a sizable gift and it could be even abused by some people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Who right. would get his money if they could. Maybe they'd use it carelessly. Uh, maybe they'd, you know, spend it injudiciously or otherwise um, on things other than what he intended to give it toward. Uh, so this person makes certain conditions and puts those conditions in writing, which must be met. Um, for the purpose, you know, of which it's to, you know, the money's to be given and spent. And usually it's to, to name some very particular thing or a set of particulars that this person is trying to address. So uh, an example would be like a generation or two ago, you know, or more, there was, um, you know, an Englishman whose heart was strongly moved to get the gospel, the story of Christ into inland China, where there were millions mm-hmm. and millions of Chinese people that never heard of the good news of Christ. And so he requested the China Inland Mission to control the expenditures of a $5 million donation he was making. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And to do it in such a way that would best secure the object of his heart, which is reaching these, these folks. So a successful, you know, 
let's look at another one, a successful businesswoman who, you know, entrusts $10 million of her dollars to the Billy Graham Association for the sole purpose of reaching lost souls throughout the world, right? She knows well the heart of Billy Graham. He's, you know, deceased at this point, but the, the mission carries on. His son, Franklin, is, is carrying mm -hmm. that on. And, uh, and the people that um, he was surrounded with, she knew who they were. Uh, so she commits that $10 million sum to the organization in order to achieve the desire of, of her heart in seeing that gospel bring people all over the world, not in a particular place, but maybe wherever the Graham Association is going to, to the people that need it the most. And for each of these two givers, their thought is not to build up an organization, but rather to benefit a large number of people who will not be reached unless uh, someone with the gift of evangelism and the organizational ability to get it there, um, you know, is able to do it. So that, that's a big piece. Now, the giver has really come to trust the organization, which means that the organization has become a trustee mm. of, of things. And that's an amazing thing when you think of it. They understand they're not the one to, to, to do it. They don't have that in their background. They don't have the ability. They know the mission. They know what needs to happen. They put the money toward it. They put it so it, it's used the right way. They found it, they searched it out, they researched, they gave it. So they were always looking. They, it was on their heart passionately that they would, they would do this. Now, of all of these, you know, um, illustrations, right, these three types of givers, and remember, a human illustration of God is always going to fall short, even in its best attempts, mm -hmm. right? So, but the three, of the three of these, there's only one that comes closest to the way God gives. And remember, when we're praying, what are we trying to do? We're trying to connect with God in a way that'll hopefully further his will, but- And, and, and move him to do what? To move us. And to answer? To answer our, our, our petitions, yeah. So when we pray, we're looking and believing, right? That something is gonna happen to meet what that prayer is. We're, we're hoping, we're praying, we're mustering as much faith as we can, and we're believing in God to give it. So to understand that, we really need to understand like what drives God. And that third type of giver is the one who pursues the passions of his heart. Well, it so happens that we happen to be the passion of God's heart. Mm. And that's something that we don't think a lot about. Maybe we do, but maybe not in the context of prayer. So I'm going to say right at the outset of what, of what we're talking about, God wants to answer our prayers. God does answer our prayers. And there's really what we're going to end up talking about at the midway or end of this is there is the greatest prayer that we could pray that God will always answer. Now, hang on to that because uh, it's coming. Mm -hmm. Now, think about God, though. Some believe <clears throat> that God might be like that first giver. You know, pushed into it. You know, if we just tell him enough times, if we if we just aggravate him enough, if we just bother him, he'll finally give in. Kind of like the unjust judge in Luke eighteen. Right, right. Right. We we look at that and we think, oh, that's that's what God must be like. But it's not. That's not what God is like. And um, the whole point there is to say that God is not like that. You know, and and that the unjust judge gave 
you know, the widow who was coming to him, what she was asking, because he was worn out. He's saying, how much more will God, who loves us, give to us what we, we ask for, right? But again, there's something there because we don't always get what we ask for. So we've got to find out what's going on in, in the big picture. And so God has an absolute yearning for his people, right? And all people, right? Those are his people, his creation. Um, but some believe that that first giver is like God. No, it's not like God. Some believe then, and they're not really thinking about it. The second one is like God. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. That's nah, it's not really like God either because she also waited for someone to come to her. But God is the one who pursues. Mm. We would not know him, right? We mm. would not love him except that he first Love loved us. us. The Bible tells us that, right? That that he we only love him because he first loved us. We walked away from him of our own will, but he pursued us and pursued us. Yeah, first John us. four, verse nineteen. Yes, yeah, so read that because I think that's important. We love because he loved first he first loved us. Right. So think about this then. I think of the sun and the moon when I think of these things. The moon lights up the night sky when it's the full moon, right? The sun lights up the day. But is the sun, is the moon a source of light? No. It what reflects. Is it? it reflects light. So we're like that. We reflect God's light when we come to know him and trust in him. The source of the light is not us. It's, it's from him, right? So, and I think that's important when we understand mm -hmm. and, and look at, at this and understand what God does. So anyway, God has this unbelievable yearning, so much so that he, he loved us so much in John three sixteen that if anybody knows any verse in the Bible that's never read the Bible, you see it at football games, you see it everywhere, you see it on lawn signs, you see it all it's over the place. It's on their eye makeup. It's <laughs> on their eye makeup for the football players, right? Under their eyes for the, the sun yeah. glare. And um, what does John three sixteen say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever shall believe in him shall have be saved. Right. They will not perish, but they'll have eternal or everlasting life. Right? God is constantly sending out the invitation, constantly wanting us to know him. And, uh, and, and I think that's super important, so much so that he had to initiate a plan and come himself, live among us, die for us, rise from the dead, in order to bring us back to him, to set things right, to fix what, what went wrong. And in that, Jesus told us all through the Gospels to ask anything in his name and he would do it. Well, again, it doesn't sound like that's the experience of a lot of people, right? And we did talk about this last time a little bit, but let's, let's go forward um, and see why that might be. So we said we can love him because he loved us first and for no other reason. We did nothing to to receive this amazing gift. God saw the need. God acted. God initiated. God put the plan together. God came and did it. That third giver did what? Did all those things. Same thing. So that kind of giver. Now, understand that about God helps us understand about prayer. And we're going to see why. So <clears throat> understand this too. People say to themselves, you know, God will never send us to hell. He, he's too loving. If he's loving, he won't do that. And we're going to agree with that. Of course he wouldn't. But God set the world up in such a way that he gave man what? Free will. Choice. Free will. 
That's why we have so many people running around doing everything they want to do, right? You have people seeking power. You have people cheating and stealing. You have people, criminals, because they want to get things. You have people, mm -hmm. you have the good side too. People are helping others. You know, it's a choice that they're making. So you have this, but it's their will to do these things. No one puts the gun in someone hand, someone's hand to hold someone else up, right? No one says, you got to go get drunker than a skunk. You got to go do this. You got to go. No one does that. No one gets behind the wheel of a car, you know, without first going out, you know, and, and drives drunk and crashes without first going and drinking mm. and getting drunk, getting in the car, killing somebody, you know, and these are the, the kinds of things that it's our free will that gets us into the jams that we're in. Mm -hmm. God even uses free will today where he won't rush in. He's not sending you the hell, to hell. You're choosing to go if right. you decide not to follow him. Okay. More about that in upcoming podcasts. Um, but anyway, God has many avenues through which the gospel comes, and he's working daily through people to get the job done. Now, I want to give an example of a couple of givers like we just mentioned, and I think this is really good. <clears throat> so I ran a ministry called Touch the World. Um, in fact, I started Touch the World by accident, right? I, I say humanly it was by accident. God certainly had it within his plan. Um, but it, it was a crazy ride, and you, again, that illustration will come up one day, that story. But in the middle of me running Touch the World <clears throat> several years in, we, we had lots of ministries that were reaching kids. And one of them, uh, somebody came to me, a, a benefactor of ours, someone who loved kids, loved what we were doing. And he walked up to me one day and said, hey, I see all these skateboard kids all over the place. Why, why don't you go reach these kids? They're, you know, there's a lot of businesses that throw them out. There's a lot of, they're, they're, going down the streets, the cops stop them, tell them they can't go. They're at the malls going down the stairs. The cops tell them they can't go. They're on railings. Cop, cops kick them out. Why don't you do something for them? I said, love to. I said, I'd have to find a place. I said, I actually have the guys that could do it, you know, in our ministry. I said, but you know what? Our resources are such right now. They're all allocated, but I'll pray about it. And I said, you know, so this guy comes back to me and, um, and he's got some resources and he says to me, um, have you thought about it? I said, yes, still praying about it. I love the idea. Um, he said, well, what do you need to do it? I said, well, we would need, you know, I have the builders too. We need materials to build all the ramps. I got a guy that could design them. And, but we need the actual, you know, finances for the materials. You know, that'd be, you know, maybe four or $5,000. I said, we need a place to skate because like you said, they're yeah. thrown out of everywhere else. And it's gotta be a place that, the payment is really good. It can't be because you're skating. Right. You know, and uh, on skateboards. And then, uh, and it, so we're going back and forth. And I said, you know, he goes, well, what about one of those big half pipes? I said, that would be great too. That'd be another big chunk of change, but that would be really good. <laughs> you know? So, so then I said, but it also might require insurance. So he goes, all right, well, what are you looking at? So, you, you know, so we're just talking. And I said, he goes, all right, I'm going to give you the money to get the materials started, built. I'm going to give you a parking lot, one of the ones I own. And I, he took me down there. Sure, and I was beautiful for, mm. for skating. Excellent. So you can have it every Saturday. Wow. He said, I'll make sure all the cars are cleaned off and my landscapers blow it all off every single week. Oh, I wow. said, that's awesome. Yeah. So we do this. We get it all built. And then all of a sudden, he calls me up and he says, I was just talking to the head in Midland Park. He said, I was talking to the, uh, to the borough manager, you know, the, you know, and I said, the mayor, and I said, yeah. And he says, um, she had mentioned that you talked to her and said, you're going to charge these kids. I said, well, listen, 
I said, I'll just call my benefactor, you know, Rich. I said, listen, Rich. I said, I've got to do it because I don't know how many kids are going to show up. I said, and every kid would co will cost us $10, for the, $15 for the season. And he's like, um, all right, I think, was it that? $15 for insurance or for? Yeah, for insurance. It okay. was for the insurance, you know, liability insurance. Okay. Um, you know, for them. And then it was whatever the number was. I, I, I can't remember now the exact number. But I said, each guy, and I said, I don't know, you know, what if, what if I get 250 kids? So he goes, well, how many kids do you think you're going to get? I said, I have no idea. I, I, I honestly don't. He goes, well, we're not having kids pay for this. I said, okay. <laughs> he said, I'll pay for it. I said, you have no idea how many kids are coming. I said, for all I know, we can get five, 700 kids. He said, I'll pay for it. I said, okay. We got a thousand kids. So he shelled out another 30 grand just for the insurance. Then, you know, he just had all these things going. Well, we had an unbelievable ministry. Our skateboard guys that were all Christians were leading this ministry. Lots of kids came to faith. Lots of families got connected with us. All because this guy went looking around, saw the need. He saw it. And, you know, I also believe without a doubt, again, another podcast, we talk about this, that God impresses upon you if you're walking with him. Mm-hmm different needs and lets you see them and gives your heart, stirs your heart and gives you a passion Definitely. for these things. So Rich had a passion for this and he shelled out the money for it and he couldn't have been happier. He would go down and he wanted to meet me every single week down there for lunch so he could watch the kids oh, skate. Wow. And it was it was awesome, you know, and that was really cool. I was in Mexico one time and um, taking a group of kids down. Uh, no, I was there to shoot a video for a school, not a school, sorry, the backup to for a program we we're doing to give gifts and um, you know all kinds of special things to very very impoverished people. Some of them were toys for the little kids. Some of them were hygiene products. Some of them um, you know were medicinal. Um, so we had a lot of things. We did a big fundraiser. Uh, had a truck deliver everything. It was really kind of cool. So I went down, and as I go down, you know, to shoot this video, to show, to, you know, bring it back and show it to the uh, middle school where my kids were going to school, um, I had my videographer go down with me, and as we're down there, I'm with one of our guys that's, you know, working with us on staff for Touch the World, and I see all these little kids running around, and they're like, like 10 years old, 9, 12, and I said to him, Tim, why are all these kids running around? It's Tuesday at 11 a.m. He goes, well, where should they be? I said, in school. He said, oh, you're American. He said, all your kids go to school free. He said, the only kids that go to school here are the ones that can pay for it. He said, 30 bucks a month per child. Plus, you have to buy your uniform. Plus, you have to buy your books. And anything you're going to write with and your pads and stuff like that. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, it costs, you know, a good chunk of change. The average household makes $150, you know, a month. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the average household is five kids. I mean, we were in real poverty here. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So in that moment, as he's talking, I had one of those moments that have happened to me a number of times in life where God really spoke and said to me, you build a school. And I, I'm talking back with God in my mind. I said, if I build a school, what am I going to do? I, I'm not going to run it. I'm, 
I'm, I'm living right now in New Jersey and I got, you know, there's ministries all over the place and this is like a day-to-day thing. And right back again, you do it. And I'm like, all right. You know, building it wouldn't have been the problem, but running it was uh, a, a bird of a different color, you know? So at any rate, I said, okay. I didn't know where the money would come from. Didn't know where anything was going to, you know, come from. Get back and sure enough, um, through a series of things, you know, something came to me. It was very interesting. At that time, I came into a chunk of, of change that was a perfect because we needed a chunk of change yeah. to help get this school going. We ended up spending a half a million building the school. Wow. And multiple teams over the course of three years. And it was a school that stood incredibly above anything in the community. We had all the teachers we had had master's degrees. And within two years, our kids became the number one school in the state of Chihuahua. And it was, they were, they were awarded um, by the gov- by the mayors of El Paso and um, Juarez, you know, uh, awards for being the number one school. Oh, wow. And it was really cool and a great thing. But all because God put it on the heart, people pray, and, you know, it was a passion. You go looking, God's going to, you know, stir your heart and you're going to see it. And there's been lots of people like that. I, I, I can give you thousands of stories oh, yeah. of people I know that that's happened to. So those are really cool type things, right? But that brings us back to the question, a very old question. Does our prayer influence God? Did that guy Rich, you know, be, did his prayers to help these kids that were running, you know, finding, trying to find places to skate and they seem to be lost, a culture, a subculture, all their own, you know, did, did his prayers reach God's ears? Well, some people would say, oh, coincidental. Oh, well, he was going to pay for it. Oh, he had the money. You know, well, that wasn't the story. You, you can't just throw money at something and have it happen. So there was definitely, you know, the Spirit of God moving in all of this. Now, when we look at this, you know, and I want to think, you know, does prayer influence God? That, I don't think any other question has been discussed more or more earnestly um, and, you know, by people and many people usually with a strong science background say positively, no, there's nobody there. There's nobody listening to the prayers. You know, it's coincidence when your prayers get answered, you know, so on and so on. But those with invincible faith say absolutely. Fact is, they're both right. And, you know, it's really strange to say that, but they are not right in all their statements and not right maybe in all their beliefs or not right in all their processes of, of thinking. Uh, but right in their ultimate conclusions as represented in those two small worlds, uh, words, no and yes. Mm -hmm. Does God, you know, does our prayer influence? No. Does our prayer influence? Yes. So here's what I want people to know that are listening to this. This is one of the keys to what we're going to talk about. Prayer does not influence God. That's what some say. Prayer surely influences God. That's what others say. So prayer does not influence God in his purposes okay that's really important god's purpose is to see people coming to faith it's to bring the world to a conclusion and eradicate evil and bring in uh the new creation the newness of life and so forth he's already begun doing that in each individual that accepts him by faith Mm -hmm. and he's working in them so we are new creation but he's going to bring a consummation to all of history and eradicate evil so 
It doesn't change his purposes. His purposes are fixed. It does influence his actions. The day-to-day -day things that are done to achieve those purposes. Now, everything that has ever been prayed for, and of course, I mean all, all things right, all good things that we pray for, all the things you know that fit into God's plan, God has already purposed to do. So think about this. There are so many things right now that God wants to do in us, through us, for us, to us, absolutely wants to do it. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for the He's waiting for the word and for what, us to accept it. Right, but isn't that crazy? Why would we have to? Well, because he works through us. His means come through us, through our hands. You know, if we're really in tune with him, he is working through us and using us to be sowers, to spread word, to spread him, to spread him. Yeah, really. Yeah, good example of that. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Do you know, do you remember what Elijah prayed for? Do you remember what he prayed for? Well, he big, played, one of the big ones. He prayed for drought. and then He prayed for no rain. And what happened? There was no rain for, for like three, three and years. a half years. Yeah. Right? Guess what? How did Elijah come up with that prayer? The Lord told him to. Yeah. Now, there's a little secret there. Hold on to that one because... God told Elijah to ask. Why didn't God just do it? What? Why are you asking Elijah to pray for it? Elijah didn't come up with it. Right. Well, he had to. He had to. He had to speak it because then the people would know that he. he the people knew he was a prophet, so they would know that it would know that it was from God. If God, they had already just, believed in his day that if the rain was withheld, it was the gods were angry. True. So they knew it because he did pray for it, and they knew he prayed for it. So you're right on that. But he didn't come up with that. God said, Elijah, pray that it doesn't rain. And God withheld the rain three, over th three, three and a half years. And as time went by, I mean, things were drying up. Everything was going south. And now the, the, you know, the king of Israel was out to kill Elijah. They wanted to find him, mm -hmm. right, and get rid of him. So three and a half years goes by. We know that. And then Elijah prays what? He prays for rain. Who at told him point? to do that? God also told him, pray for rain. Yeah, why did God tell him? God, just do it. Yeah. God, if you want to make it not rain, just make it not rain. Even God, if you want to bring the rain, it. bring the rain. Right? But he what? He worked through a lot. Why? God made the world in such a way that he worked only through people. Right? Mm. I think it was Moody or Wesley, one of those guys. Uh, sorry if you know this answer and I'm getting it wrong. One of those guys said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. But it has to be in, in line with it, with God. Now, we're going to talk about that at, a, at another moment. Now, I want you to know this. There is prayer impacts the spiritual world, things unseen. How's that? You say, well, you know, there are evil gets embodied by something. You say, oh, no, come on. Evil is just with us. Bad things happen. No, think of Hitler. Hitler, people would say, is evil. Think of Mother Teresa. Oh, Mother Teresa is good. Look what that woman did. She lived, you know, willingly went to Calcutta, lived in the in the slums of Calcutta, held babies dying in her arms, and this is where she lived her life. Hitler killed people. Hitler was trying to create a super race. Hitler, he was the embodiment of evil. No doubt possessed by Satan. Okay? We know biblically that, that happens, and that's, you know, when we think of this, this is... You know, the spirit, you know, evil spirit 
embodying a person by their consent. We accept Christ by our consent, and then who indwells us? Then the Lord, then the Holy Spirit comes in. So we are also possessed of a godly spirit, of the spirit of God, right? So there is a battle being waged in the spiritual realm played out in the physical world, in the lives of people. That's another one we're going to talk more about. Mm. And <clears throat> But I want to go and talk about something that's really important. Last time we talked about three hindrances to prayer. And those hindrances, and again, because we talked about them, they can look at podcast number two or listen to that one. But sin breaks our connection with God. If we're in sin, living in sin, knowledgeably in sin, God's not going to listen. God tells us that, mm -hmm. okay? If you want to know why, listen to the other podcast. Wrong motives. When we pray, we sometimes ask with wrong motives. You referenced James. Right. Okay? So we'll ask for something. I'll give you a good example of this. It's really funny. It's actually true. I'm sitting in a football game, watching one of my kids play, and somebody I knew behind me leans forward, taps me on the shoulder, and says, Hey, Jeff, the lottery is up to like... 60 million dollars you know and you know something like that some ridiculous number he said with all seriousness if would you pray that i win it and if i do i'm going to give 10 percent to your ministry so i paused for a moment and i thought it was a joke at first he didn't laugh he wasn't laughing he was and he wanted my answer so i said to him i'm not going to tell you his name but i just said to him, <laughs> i'll call him bob that wasn't his name, but I'll just call him. I looked over and said, Bob, how much are you giving now to the ministry? And he said, well, right now I've not been able to. I said, you're not going to give any more than you're giving now because giving is a heart thing, not a wallet thing. Mm -hmm. It's not how much you have in the wallet. So no, I'm not going to pray for you to win the lottery, you know, because you're not going to do it with, with what you think, you know. So that's a prayer. And in his mind, he wanted to do good things, 10%. 90% he wanted for him. Right. <laughs> so think about that, and we all know, why would God, if you were God, would you answer that prayer? You know, <laughs> right? I'm going to give it to the person that 100% wants to give that money for good purposes. Right? So you look at that. Anyway, so, and the third reason was an unforgiving spirit. All right. I want to talk about the greatest prayer. This is something, this is the heart of, of things. I think this is so exciting. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer, Mike, we've all been given that prayer. Jesus says, he doesn't say to, to, to pray it like a, you know, it's got, like it's a formula, like, a like it's an incantation. Like you pray this and great things happen. It's a model and we're going to take the model apart a little mm. bit. So go ahead and read that for us. Yeah, it's, in Matthew uh, 6, um, Verses 9 through 14 is the Lord's Prayer. That's, everybody knows it. Um, Jesus starts in 9 and says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. For you forgive other people when they sin against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Is fourteen, which is yep. a tag onto the. Um, Re but, yeah. Um, yeah, and so that was the unforgiving spirit. Mm -hmm. If you're not forgiving, God's not going to hear your prayer. Okay, so that's a powerful thing. Now, 
I want to look at this thing. And I want you to think, this, there is a greatest prayer. It's not just saying this prayer. Okay, that we're going we're to pull it apart a little bit. It's the greatest that can be offered. It's the substratum of every true prayer. It's the un undercurrent mm -hmm. in the stream of all spirit-breathed, and I'm talking about Holy Spirit-breathed prayer. Jesus himself gave it to us, right? Um, but it's only a form, it's the only form of prayer that he left for us. Mm. And it's a model. It's a picture of, of what we're doing. It's small in size, what we're going to look at, but mighty in power. Yeah, the scope is very deep. Yes. So there's four words we're going to look at. Here they are. Thy will be done. You remember that phrase from somewhere else besides the Lord's Prayer? Oh, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, not, not my will, but yours be done. Okay. If you, if you could take this cup away the from most, me. Yes. The most powerful prayer. It led, and we could talk, we'll talk about that. It led to all of our salvation. There was no greater mm -hmm. event in history Amen. than that. Right? So this is one of those phrases you have to kind of get your cup of coffee and brew it over a little bit and, and, and think on it and ruminate and, and think what it means. But it's the Lord's Prayer. You read it. We're going to pull, right? Thy will be done. Thy, that's God. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, on one side, God is wise. I want you to think about this. Really, just listen. Close your eyes and listen to this, right? If you're listening. So, <clears throat> God, on one side, is wise with all the intellectual strength, all the keenness and poised judgment that that word conjures up in your mind. That's God. All wisdom, okay? On another side, he's strong. And all that that word can imply of might and irresistible power. When God wants something done, no power on earth, no power in heaven can stop it. Mm -hmm. It's irresistible. On another side, it's good. God is good. He's pure. He's holy. With the finest thought of those words... Think about what that means. Perfect, without sin, 100% will always do the right thing. Then on the, the, the remaining side, there's the tender personal side. He's loving. Okay? and In fact, it's not even adequate. He is love. Mm. That's what the Bible tells us. He is love. It's very personification. Right? Now, remember that we do not know the meaning of those words to their fullest. We, we, we look our best definitions and thought of them. You know, even in our dreams only touch the outskirts yeah. of what those words actually mean when it comes to God. The heart of them escape us, right? Those words mean infinitely more than we can think and, and even imagine. Their, their meaning is a projection along the lines of our thought of them, right? But measurelessly beyond our highest reach. We, we can, so I'm just trying to say that we, have, we cannot even imagine God in our greatest thoughts of God. They don't match who mm -hmm. God actually is, okay? And then this God, wise, strong, good, uh, and, and full of love, is related to us by his choice, by his doing. Anybody who wants to be in his family and asks, he adopts as his children. That blows your mind if you just sit and think about that. Now, we belong to him. We're his children by creation and by new creation because... We come back from our sinful ways, come to God, and he, he renews us, right? Now, that is the thy, God, okay? Wise, strong, pure, who is love, whose father, mother, both parents, all in one, you know, to us. He is our God. 
will, thy will. What is will? Will is desires, purposes, that which he wishes to occur, that to which he gives his strength that it may occur. So think about it. thy will. We're praying thy will be done. Thy will be done. So now this is really interesting because right now God's will is going to blow people's minds. God's will is not being done on the earth. So what do you, what do Actually, you mean? I thought that would be obvious. <laughs> but many people say, no, well, what do you mean God's, oh, then he's not powerful enough. Oh no, he's powerful enough. But he won't, he won't take you by force. So he allows you to do evil. He's patient, hoping that he can pull you to himself. But thy will, his will is his desires, right? His purposes, things that he wished to occur. When Jesus came, he released his kingdom. It's in the hearts of his people. We take that kingdom, which is his spirit. We go, we live according to his ways. We invite people to become part of his family. Some do, some don't. You know, some even get killed for sharing it. Martyrs, we call them, right? So thy will is being done, but it is not being done completely. But one day it will be done. What is the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done mm -hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. So his will shall be done. One day it shall be completely done. Mm -hmm. Right? Where every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's when Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the world falls to its knees because it can do nothing else. Now, his will... The earth is his creation. Men are his children. Judging from wise, loving parents among... Men are his children. And judging from the wise, loving parents among men, he's given himself to thinking and studying and planning for all men, every man, and for the earth. So the earth is his creation. His plan is most wise, most pure, most loving. Right? Um, that can be thought of. And, and, and then, you know, even more than we can think of. Um, so it takes in the whole sweep of our lives, every detail he thinks of. Nothing escapes God's love vigilance. I love that. If you think of that, his love is vigilant, looking on how he can meet us, right? Health, strength, home, loved ones, friendships, money, guidance, protecting care, the necessities, the extras that love ever thinks of, service. All these are included in God's love and his thoughts of us. Those are God's will. God wants to give us every perfect gift, you know, from above. Everything that's best. All right. Thy will be. Be is what? We know this. It's a what? Exist. It's a verb. Uh, action, yeah. It's an action, right? So, so we're praying. Thy will be activated. Thy will be, right? So it's man's will is the main. Uh, sorry. A man's will is the man in action, right? That's, that's. To be the, the 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 verb, right? God's will for man is Himself in action, God in you, working through you. So God said to Moses, "Don't worry, Moses. You don't have to be strong before Pharaoh. You don't. Have to, I'm with you. I'm going to be working through you. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, Elijah, about going and seeing Jezebel. I'm going to be with you. And don't worry, don't worry, Apostle Paul. You'll stand before kings." And I'll give you the words you need to speak when you're in front of them. Don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And this is what he has said for thousands of years. I'm going to be with you. It's an action word. It's in the passive voice. It takes some form of the verb to be 
um, of the verb to be, to express the passive voice of any action word, right? So it takes the in intensest activity of will to put this passive voice into human action. And so the greatest strength is revealed, and, and here's the secret, in intelligent yielding. We yield to someone greater. We don't like that. We don't want to yield to anybody. We don't want to submit. We don't want to do anything, right? Here the prayer is expressing the utter willingness of a man that God's will shall be done in him and through him. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if at all possible, let this cup, the crucifixion, pass from me. You know, but not my will, but thine be done. If Jesus' will was done in his human moment, let this pass from me, then the salvation of man wouldn't have been possible. Powerful when you think of that, mm. right? So he uses all his strength in becoming passive to a higher will. Jesus, it took everything in Jesus to yield to God's, the Father, his total will and say, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Mm -hmm. Right? You want your prayers answered? Jesus had his answers, his answered. Right? You say, wait a minute. He didn't answer it. Yes, he did. Because what did Jesus want in his heart? People say, well, he wanted the cup to pass. No. What did he want? He wanted the, the Father's will to be done. And he that said so. That was his number one. He said it right there. So when you pray, do you want the Father's will to be done? Or do you want your will to be done? Because when you have the Father's will in mind, all your prayers will be answered. Everyone that goes according to God's will. That's why Jesus said, pray, ask for anything according to God's will. And it will be answered. Mm. And so, what's then the natural thing that we want to know? What is God's will? What is God's will? Right? And God promises to answer that in our lives. Now, the final word, done. Thy will be done. That is, be accomplished or be brought to pass. Right? So, God, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose will is, is reigning in heaven? God's. Absolutely. And God has this earth. It's his prodigal. It's wayward. God could have destroyed us. He created us how? Through Adam and Eve. Through dust. Be beyond that? How did he do it? What was the active force? His word. His word. He spoke and it became. Think of that as power. Right? God speaks something into mm. existence. So his word is active. His word is powerful. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, my word goes out from my mouth like the rain and snow come down, go into the earth, right? And return back to heaven. That's the hydrologic cycle. Mm -hmm. But that does not happen. Okay. With, it, it happens, but it accomplishes what it was sent to do. What do the rains and the snow and everything else do? It waters the earth so that the crops grow, the flowers bloom, and, you know, man can survive and drink water, the animal kingdom can, can live. All of that happens. God says, just like the hydrologic cycle, my word goes forth from my mouth and never returns to me void, never returns without accomplishing everything it was sent to do. So God's word, when we pray, God speaks. And when we pray according to God's will, God gives the command and his will is accomplished on the earth. Who does it? The angels do it. 
The Bible tells us in Hebrews that, I think it's chapter 4, it's either 4 or 10, but that what are angels except spirits sent to minister to those who are inheriting salvation, right? Very, very powerful. Now, so what does it mean? It means that surrender of purpose that has utterly changed the lives of the strongest men in order that the purpose of God might be dominant. I'm going to say it again. It means, thy will be done, it means the sur that surrender of purpose, okay, that has utterly changed the lives of the strongest men and women in order that the purposes of God might be dominant. So you submit and, you know, your service, your, your purposes to God's purpose. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's crazy when you think of that, right? Now, think about this. Thy will be done. Cut off Moses from a great throne. Because Moses saw the plight of his own people. And what did he do? He got angry. And he took matters into his own hands. And then, you know, he identified with his people. He gave up the throne of Egypt to identify with his people, attack the Egyptians that were attacking his people, and he was driven from Egypt. He gave up everything, and he became a wanderer, a shepherd, mm -hmm. right? God then raised him up to do what? To free his people. To be the greatest lawgiver known to man, and to lead his people out of slavery, right? Think of Jeremiah, the intellectual giant, from, you know, an easy, you know, it, it led him from an easy, enjoyable leadership, right, to espouse a despised cause and so be despised himself. The cause, telling these people that your, your God's judgment is coming because you've been sinning. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to hear him. They kept punishing him. They'd throw him in the cistern, in the pit. They'd throw him in the mud. They would, you know, they would beat him. They would do all kinds of things to Jeremiah. People would say, why don't you just keep your mouth shut? I can't. That's what I wanted to do. But you know what? God's word was in me. Mm -hmm. And God's will was that I tell these people. They didn't want to hear it. They punished me, but God punished them. But I paid the price physically. But he didn't pay it eternally. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah has, has received his great reward. Mm -hmm. Right? Think of Paul, the apostle. Right? It led Paul from the leadership of his generation. He was a great Pharisee. Right? So in that great nation, the Jewish nation, to untold suffering, prisons, stoned to death, or they thought they stoned them to death, right? Beatings, mm -hmm. um, shipwrecks, all kinds of stuff. And finally, to the axe, his head was taken off. It led Jesus, the very Son of God, by yielding to God's will, the Father, to the cross of great suffering. Mm -hmm. But by that cross, God saved the whole world, right? So in every generation, that prayer has yielded and radically changed lives, right? So when we yield, God does it. And life ambitions, thy will be done, is the great dominant purpose prayer that has been the pathway of God in all his great doings among mankind. So that's pretty awesome. It's in that prayer that the kingdoms of darkness and light clash. Satan wants to possess people. Satan wants evil to prevail. When people get on their knees, when people stand and raise their hands and eyes to heaven and pray, praying against that evil, 
that's within God's will. Those prayers will be answered, right? They will be answered. So what do you think? What do you think of it? Listen, it's it's so true and so deep, as you're saying, and it really is amazing, you know. And, and people look at it, and they're listening right now, and they're probably like, Okay, I'm following it, but you know how? Like, how do I understand it? How do I dive? How do I know what God wants? How do I know how He thinks? And you're right; it's it's so deep, you know. And there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of verses that really bring it to light. Uh, just how we can just barely scratch the surface in First Corinthians two. Um, uh, Paul says, "For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them?" In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, yes. which shows you it's it's a whole nother level. And, you know, even you're, you're trying to dive even deeper to, well, how do I pray to know what God wants? And we have to understand, we have to get out, out of our way of thinking. Isaiah tells us in 55 uh, verses 8 and 9, so, so famous, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord's. So, he, he says it very plainly. So once we learn and understand and you start really diving into this and you start explaining in podcast how God thinks, then we can really have that relationship and connect with him. And then, then it really, it gets amazing. <laughs> so we're going to do in our next podcast, you know, so we can look forward to it. We're going to talk about how to pray. How, how do we do that? Right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's, that's important. And I want you to read a, a passage for us. Read First John five thirteen through fifteen, and I want everybody listening to this to listen, you know, to these words, and we'll we'll close with this. So he writes, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God: that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us." And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Isn't that what we just talked about? Amen. Now, I want to say three things on this. I write, John says, I'm writing this to you who believe in Jesus Christ, that you may know, not hope, not wonder, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. You can approach God if you're one of his children. Mm -hmm. You can approach him. That if we ask anything according to his will, that's what he just said, right? Thy will be done according to your will. We're going to do it. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So next week we want to, or next release, we want to talk about what? How do we know what the will of God Mm. is? And you said something so um, so profound that I think in, in the entire podcast, there were so many deep things, but you said in the Lord's Prayer, we have to submit to the God, we, you know, and we're such, we're such egotistical driven people. We're driven by our own ego. And so we, we have to be willing to put ourselves aside. And it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, yeah. not by works, so that not one can boast. Thank Once God, because you, yes, right, exactly. We can't do it. We can't do it. And all your good works could never be good enough to get you into heaven. And you know that that kind of brings me to this thought because our time is about up. I just want to say this for anybody listening that wonders: Do I have eternal life? Do I know Jesus? When you say believe, do I believe? Well, this is not mental assent. I can tell you, hey, hey, look. 
you know, the weather, it's 23 degrees out right now. You believe me. Mm. doesn't matter, right? <laughs> but you believe me. That's mental assent. That's just agreeing. Belief means unto salvation or, or a changed person. It changes me. That belief does something in me. That belief changes me in some way. So if you want to do that, you only have to ask. It's the living of it then because once you have... Once you ask, God's Spirit comes inside you, and then He begins to speak to you. And that's what we're going to talk about in, in the weeks ahead. So let me pray for us. And if you're praying out there, you know, or you're listening tonight, and you're not sure, you can pray this prayer, and, and you know, God will confirm with you that you belong to Him. So you can pray in your heart as I pray aloud wherever you are. You can even pray out loud wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you've done for us. Father, I recognize that you came from heaven. You lived among us. You lived a perfect life. You died a horrible death. Hmm. And in that death, although completely unseen to the world looking, you took on all the sin of mankind in that moment. And you became that sin separated from your father in the moment but death could not hold you because you had never sinned and you paid a penalty that you didn't owe you paid a debt you didn't owe and we owe a debt we cannot pay but you paid it for us and father i recognize that tonight and ask that you would forgive me for all my sin separate my sin from me as far as the east is from the west fill me with your holy spirit and make me your child. For I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer tonight, you are one of God's children. And uh, we look forward to sharing more with you in the podcasts ahead. Thank you, everybody. God bless and have a great night.